Hey, hey, it's Lou and welcome back to Shade Shorts, bite-sized conversations inviting you into the world of art practitioners whose work I really admire. Belanley Tajuddin is the founder of Black Blossoms, the curatorial platform and online art school, showcasing the works of underrepresented artists from diverse backgrounds. Their exhibitions, courses and publications foster a greater understanding of the complex social and cultural issues that shape contemporary art. Black Blossoms will be hosting events at Tate this week, drawing inspiration from the Unfinished Conversation exhibition at Tate Britain's 60-year room. Let's dive in. I grew up in Labrick Grove and on my estate there was like a lot of violent incidents. So my housing um, landlord, social housing providers, they set up this youth club for all the children on the estate And they actually brought in this American guy called Twilight Bay. And he was um, a former gang leader who had reformed his life. And do you know what? To be honest, I used to go and I was actually quite bored. So I just used to go to the, the youth club nights so I could use the computer and I just used to zone out. But I used to hear all the conversations that they were having and they were talking about crime. They were talking about um, sort of social housing and people of colour and the ghettoization of where people of colour live. And I look back and I think those kind of conversations that I was hearing at that time, very, very pro-Black conversations, actually, um, at such a young age, did have an impact on like some level of my psyche. I decided to study politics at Leeds University. um, And I was really excited to get into Leeds. As we know, it's a, a Russell Group University. I was like, yep. That's it. I'm smart. I'm getting out of the ends. And also, I was really naive because I thought, oh my gosh, there's all of these things and like social issues that are happening in ends. And I can go to university and like cast the lens on it so people can see what's going on. And really naive to think this because obviously you get to uni and you realise oh they have theories for everything and they already know how you're living. I guess for me that was like another sort of eye-opener being around like a lot of privilege and people knowing social status is existed and not caring and I really struggled being in Leeds because it was a super white environment and by this time I actually had already had my daughter Um, who's now 13. So there was this one module that I chose called European Politics. I took that module a couple of times and I failed. And I remember just thinking, you know, I'm done. And I packed all my stuff and I got on a coach and I was sitting next to this girl um, and she was studying at Leeds as well. And we just spoke on the coach all the way home. And usually on those long coach journeys, You've got your headphones in and you ain't speaking to nobody. And she had told me she was studying history of art. And I remember looking at her like, what are you talking about? And so she was explaining it to me. And I just remember thinking, like, what job are you going to go and get with that? And I just looked at her and I realised how different my life was. 
there was a part of me that was thinking, what privilege do you have to come to university and spend all of this money to learn about the history of art? And here I am struggling about politics because I really want to go help the people Mm. in my community. And I opted to do public relations at University of the Arts London. I kind of knew that public relations could get me into like policy work or lobbying. And so I was part of NUS. I was kind of lobbying against the university. I was lobbying against the government. So there was this still innate, very sort of politics focus in the work that I was doing when I was at university. I became vice president of the student union. It got quite peak. I started um, alongside some other students. I started this campaign called UAL So White, which is referenced in all of UAL's kind of literature up till now about why there was such a sudden culture shift at the university to have a focus on diversity, decolonization and inclusivity. There was like 1,300 um, white teaching staff compared to 136 Hmm. BAME teaching stuff and I was like yeah this is this is crazy and I guess that's where you start to see me caring about art and students studying art and the fact that they are not being taught by diverse teachers I guess I didn't go to university to become an activist but by the time I had graduated gone into the student union I was an activist and then Outside of university, there was obviously huge activism happening. It was the time of, like, Girl Dem had started. You've got Black Ballad on the scene. Mm. You've got people talking about sort of working-class politics and capitalism. And there was all of these conversations happening. I felt the buzz. And I started Black Blossoms as a way to create a safe space for women Um, and non-binary black students at UAL to have some sort of refuge from the sort of everyday microaggressions that we were facing within the university. Mm -hmm. I had a major exhibition in 2016 and had about 21 black women alumni um, from UAL take part. And Kudzanai Violet, Sylvia Rossi, I selected to be part of that exhibition. And then when that exhibition was done, I had finished my term as education officer and I started to do um, a MA at Birkbeck Culture, Diaspora and Ethnicity. And Trump had been elected and it was just all too much for me. Like mentally, I was just like, what we're learning about and seeing, it was just too much. And I was just like, I just want to do Black Blossoms and I want to do exhibitions because I realised that art was another useful tool to discuss politics, to discuss the things that I cared about. I was asked to teach a course, so I taught Art in the Age of Black Girl Magic at Tate. And Black Blossoms wasn't an art school, it was an expanded curatorial platform. It was a platform to curate inside and outside of galleries, It was a platform to play, um, to test new methods of curating. You know, the school part of Black Blossoms is relatively new. I've always believed in public programming, so it's not too far off from my work and what I believe in anyway, but the school is new. 
What's your reflections been on um, that process of holding the online courses in terms of the need for it, what it shows you about the gaps in the education process and why people are coming to Black Blossoms? I also have a teaching qualification. I have a PG cert from UAL as well. And in my final major project, and when I was campaigning, so three years I spoke about, three to four years I've been speaking about UAL or suggested that UAL should offer their students short courses on social justice, environmentalism, these subjects that they're that there's gaps in within the curriculum, right? Because it takes three to four years to revalidate courses. And by that time, a student can start and end and not necessarily have had any diverse, different thinking. However, if you have courses or short courses that students can opt into, it will help them when they're doing their dissertation. Um, they'll have the reading, the knowledge, the language. They can also form a community outside of their classroom around the things that they're interested in. So it, the school is actually a natural extension of the things that I have been talking about and campaigning about. And I think what the pandemic allowed me to do was to merge my thoughts around inclusive education um, and just put it under the banner of Black Blossoms. And I think the change of like people's attitudes towards online learning, that came because of the pandemic. I guess our students are so varied. We have graduates, we have students who are in their final year, mainly I'd say final year students, MA students, of course, um, curators of institutions, writers. And that, I say this like not to, because I told Eliza, like, if I put out a course, Eliza Gluckman works for the government's art collection and she'll buy courses for her and her team. And, you know, that's where I think there's the allyship. There are a lot of institutions that the curators or the learning managers have identified gaps in their own learning and they see Black Blossoms as a space to come and learn more about the work and the processes of artists of colour and that cultural theory, that, like I said, cultural theory that has been missing from their own learning. Like, it's a lifelong learning platform. How has that BLM period and the discussions that came from that impacted strategy and practices of the organisations that you have worked with? Say, for example, a new client like Art on the Underground I would definitely say them approaching Black Blossoms to deliver these courses is a direct result of the pandemic mm-hmm. and them wanting to support a newly established arts organisation to deliver their public programming and understanding the blind spots that they may have. It's been such a great partnership. I've really enjoyed working with the, the organisation. However, what I will say is that this year, Black Blossoms um, received three, I call it the Holy Trinity of right-wing press. So we were in um, the Daily Mail, the Telegraph and the Spectator with Rod Liddle accusing Black Blossoms of breaking Britain with our wokeness. How is public money being used to like do these courses? And, you know, I think that for me is the conversation that I get embroiled in sometimes because 
the work that Black Blossoms is doing, that Shades is doing, is part of this culture war that we're having because the right wing definitely know that they don't want the works or the sort of ideas, the visual ideas of artists of colour and thinkers of colour to be seen in the world because it creates shifts. Visual culture has such a huge impact on society. I'm so sorry that has been your experience. I really want to think about positives that you're looking forward to, where you're going with Black Blossoms. And I know that you're holding an amazing event at Tate, late at Tate event, which draws inspiration from the unfinished conversation. There we go. That's apt, isn't it, for the conversation that we've just had Mm -hmm. about what needs to be said. But it draws inspiration from the unfinished conversation exhibition in Tate, Britain's 60-year room, which explores the evolving nature of diasporic identity through art using Joanna Confra's 2012 film, The Unfinished Conversation, as the starting point. And so Black Blossoms will be contributing to these ideas with a series of workshops and talks. So let's encourage people to come through. What's going to be happening? Oh my gosh, so we've got Elsa James doing a performance. We have Janine Francois. We've got Rebecca Bellatoni, my absolute favourite artist of all time, who has been nominated for the Max Mara Prize. We have Hamid May. We have Black Girl Knit Club. Um, I'm on a panel with Lisa Anderson and Simeon, Simeon Brown, um, Art for the People. Oh, amazing. That's going to be a good um, one. It'll be good. It's going to be fun, actually. And it feels like a really exciting time. And I had so many titles. Actually, one of the titles I had was Red Herring in response to the articles that we had received online and how these newspapers are thrown in red herrings when the truth is public funding is not really going to the public, is it? So, you know, it's about using platforms and organisations like Black Blossoms to kind of swing the conversation away from the real issue. Um, And then I just felt like, do you know what, bun them, like I don't want them to have that much like power. It's my dream to see artists and cultural workers of colour flourish in these times. Black creatives are are smashing it but I'm biased (laughs) well look who would have thought that when you left that Leeds course and you signed up for UAL that this is what like honestly you'd be holding this level of event yeah you're right it's something that I'm meant to be doing and the reason why as someone who hasn't had the traditional arts background is because it's a personal journey for me and the guides and I'm being divinely guided to do this work and so no matter what it's gonna keep on happening I genuinely believe that God and my ancestors have a hand in my work and I'm forever grateful to them for Mm. that it's been an absolute joy and I I can't wait to see what you do next thank you